in the end of this week's parsha, Parshas Beshalach, we have our art, the arch enemy of the Jewish people attacking the Jews, and that is the nation of Amalek. Historically, in the Torah and the Nevi'im and the Prophets, a number of times we're told about different battles that Amalek had against the Jewish people or waged against the Jewish people. But the first one is this time, when uh, the Jewish people had just left Mitzrayim, they just passed the um, the sea. There was the Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, and Amalek comes and attacks the Jewish people in Rifidim. And as the Torah describes this battle, something very fascinating happens. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu appoints Yehoshua to go out and lead the battle against Amalek. And then, as, they, as the uh, Jewish people are facing off Amalek, with Amalek in the battlefield, so it says Moshe and Aaron, Aaron his brother, and Chur, Chur which was their nephew, Miriam's son, they went up to the top of a mountain that was overlooking the battlefield. And it says, as Moshe Rabbeinu would, would raise his hands, the Jewish people would be victorious in battle. When Moshe would put his hands down, then Amalek would be victorious. And as the Gemara explains, and Rashi um, mentions, it's not as if Moshe's uh, raising or putting down his hands was what was actually affecting the victory or loss in battle, but rather when Moshe raised his hands, the Jewish people were inspired to look heavenward and dive into Hashem. And contemplate Hashem. And therefore they were victorious in battle. When Moshe would put down his hands, the Jewish people weren't inspired in that way. And that's why they would begin to lose. But then the Pasuk says that Moshe's hands became heavy. It was hard for him to raise his hands the, you know, for, for hours on end. So what did they do? The Pasuk says, They took a stone. They put it underneath him. And Moshe Rabbeinu sat down on the stone. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands. One held one arm up, and the other held the other hand up. And Moshe's hands were held up that way until the evening, and the Jewish people were victorious in war. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu's hands up, held up, inspired the Jewish people to prayer, to thought about Hashem and belief in Hashem, and therefore they're able to be victorious in war. But here we have this uh, fascinating or strange story of Moshe Rabbeinu's hands becoming heavy, and therefore they have to be held up by Aaron and Chor. And the question is, what's behind this heaviness? Why did it happen? And Rashi says, Rashi says that this heaviness wasn't a natural heaviness, but it was because it was some sort of a punishment. And that is because he was nisatzel b'mitzvah. Because he was somewhat lax in the mitzvah, Hashem had told them to go out to battle against Amalek, and he had appointed Yehoshua to lead the battle. And because he had appointed someone else to lead the battle, it was considered a laxness on his part, on Moshe's part in the mitzvah, and that's why his hands became heavy. He didn't have his regular full strength. That's what Rashi says. Now, so on a, on a, a simple uh, level, it sounds like, okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake here, and he was lazy or, or lax when it came to doing this mitzvah, which is, of course, very, very hard to understand. But for, for I'll give two uh, basic reasons. I mean, aside from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu in general, <laughs> we don't find that he uh, typically makes mistakes. But aside from that, and specifically here, we have a few parshas ago when Moshe Rabbeinu was, uh, was commanded by Hashem to go out and free the people and he's headed back from Midian where he lived to Mitzrayim. And it says on the way he stopped and there was this entire story with a serpent who almost killed him. And it was apparent that it was because he hadn't given a bris to his son yet. He hadn't given a circumcision to his newborn son and that's why his life was put in danger until his wife did the circumcision. But there Rashi says, very powerfully, he brings one opinion that Moshe Rabbeinu was lax in a mitzvah, and then he brings another opinion that chas v'shalom, heaven forbid, to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was lax in a mitzvah, rather there was a, there was a reason why that happened, why he couldn't give the bristle as he was leaving Mitzrayim. 
So there Rashi sort of, sort, of, sort of stands up and defends Moshe Rabbeinu and uses very strong um, words, chas v'shalom, heaven forbid, to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was lax in a mitzvah. So that, that makes it hard to understand why here Rashi is okay with saying that Moshe Rabbeinu was lax in the mitzvah. And secondly, much later in the Torah, Parshas Pinchas, before Moshe Rabbeinu is going to pass away, he demands from Hashem that Hashem appoint a new leader for the Jewish people. Yifkod Hashem, Ishala Eida, Hashem should appoint a new leader. Asher Yetzelifneim, who will go before them in battle. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, not like other nations where the kings stay at, stay at home in the palace and send the soldiers. He says, I led the Jewish people in battle. And refers to battles that he led the Jewish people in. Which means that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't lax when it came to leading the Jewish people in battle. So how is it that here suddenly there's this laxness on the part of Moshe Rabbeinu and therefore this, this sense of punishment that his hands become, his arms become heavy. And the Rebbe explains and says, when Moshe Rabbeinu was lax, so to speak, here, when it came to leading the Jewish people into battle, it wasn't a negative laxness. After all, he says Moshe Rabbeinu had two very powerful reasons. And he felt it was beneficial for the battle that because of these two reasons that Yeshua should lead the battle. First of all, Yeshua was much younger. Moshe Rabbeinu at this time is already more than 80 years old, and they're going to battle. And Moshe Rabbeinu made a, a simple calculation that it would be better for the battle, that it be led by Yeshua. Secondly, as we see in the story, Moshe Rabbeinu was davening for, for the, the Jewish people. He was helping them spiritually. He was inspiring them. He was there and he was raising his hands and he was inspiring the people to do tshuva and tefillah to daven Tashem. So Moshe Rabbeinu, by not going into the battle, felt, and, cal- and he made this calculation, which would seem to be a correct calculation, and that is that it would be more beneficial for the Jewish people to have a younger um, leader in battle, a younger general or someone leading in the battle, number one, and number two, that Moshe Rabbeinu could contribute more in the spiritual end by praying for the Jewish people, davening for them, and by inspiring them to greater davening as well. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu's laxness here is not something negative, and therefore Rashi doesn't you know, jump to the defense as he did earlier to say, Chas v'shalom, that Moshe Rabbeinu was lax. It's a laxness that seems to make sense. The calculation is very logical. And yet, to some, in some level, this is a critique against Moshe Rabbeinu, and his arms became heavy. And why is that, says the Rebbe? The Rebbe says, when it comes to doing a mitzvah of Hashem, there's, there's dealing with you know, calculations and what's better and more, more, more beneficial. But then there is a person should have that level of desire and that level of, of, of passion and excitement to do Hashem's will, even above calculation, and should want to be involved personally and never just relegate it to someone else, even if there are all the right and good reasons for it. Moshe Rabbeinu should have felt, if Hashem is telling us to do something, jump into battle and, and everything will work out and I'll take care of it, even though logically. It might make sense, and it does make sense, that someone else will do it, and will do it better. But the will of a person to do a mitzvah should be such that defies all logic, and the person should want to be involved themselves in the mitzvah. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu's arms became heavy here in the story. And to take it one step further, when Moshe Rabbeinu was going into battle against Amalek, who were the ones that Amalek was really affecting? Who were the ones that Amalek was able to affect negatively? So Rashi tells us from the Gemara, it was only the Jews who were quite sinful. Even here in the Parsha, when Amalek attacks, attacks the Jewish people, it's right after the words in the Torah that the Jewish people sinned and they didn't have proper faith in Hashem, and therefore Amalek attacked. Later in Parsha's Kiseitse, when Amalek attacks again, it says that they attacked the ones that are Necheshalim Acharecha, says Rashi, the ones who sinned so much that they weren't able to really stand within the heavenly clouds of glory. 
So Amalek, which represents evil and wickedness, are able to affect those Jews who are most sinful and those who are most far, distant from godliness. And it's for such Jews, even for such Jews, that Moshe is critiqued for not running to assist them himself. And here you have the powerful message that when it comes to helping another person, especially when it comes to helping another Yid, it, there's no room for calculations. Is that person worthy of my help? Not worthy of my help? Perhaps I'm too great. Perhaps I can appoint someone else to do it. When it comes to doing something for another Yid, the, the, the approach that the Torah is teaching us is to jump into the fray and not make calculations and not think maybe someone else could do the job, maybe someone else could do the job better, but everyone has that ab- obligation and the opportunity to show and express that passionate desire to fulfill Hashem's will and to help another Yid in Klal Yisrael. Hashem should help them, we should always feel that way towards every mitzvah and towards helping another Yid and very soon to merit the coming of Mashiach Sidkenu very speedily. Have a wonderful Shabbos.